Yo, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. I'm Patrick, flying solo. So the Warriors officially end their week-long road trip 0-5. They lost to the Pelicans in New Orleans 114-105. And, you know, again, before this road trip, I was pretty optimistic that they would do well. There were some pretty young, weak teams, weak in terms of record and experience, but of course, high on talent because there's a lot of talent in the NBA right now. And I thought at best, you know, they could go maybe four and one. I thought at worst it would be three and two, but it's 0 and 5 and the Warriors are now three and seven heading back to the Bay. Uh, I know it's early. I just thought I would take a quick peek at the Western Conference playoff standings just for fun, right? Right now, the Warriors are in 12th place. Uh, there's a bunch of other games going on right now still, but they are 3-7 and seven in the 12th slot behind OKC, who is 4-4, four and four, behind the Timberwolves, who are also 4-4. Four and four. They're both tied kind of in that 10th spot, although I guess the Timberwolves have the tiebreaker. And the Warriors are... Three games behind the Nuggets for the non-play-in playoff spot at number six, the last one there. That's just for fun. That's not going to matter, uh, hopefully. The Warriors, they rested their vets, their starters. The only uh, starter that played was Kevon Looney. The only other vet that played was Jamichael Green, and he didn't really even play that much. And this is what... I said I wanted what I was hoping for, what I was expecting, what I thought they probably were going to do earlier in this uh, road trip. I thought they would do this in the Pistons game. But, of course, after that Charlotte game, they seemed like they wanted to win. And uh, the starters played, and, of course, they lost. But uh, Kerr started, Jonathan Kaminga, Lamb, Kavon Looney, Jordan Poole, and Moses Moody with James Wiseman coming off the bench, as well as Ty Jerome. They played pretty decently overall. I, I thought that uh, Kaminga, he's obviously the guy that we have all wanted to see. He played a ton of minutes, 38 minutes. Perfect. That's what I wanted. I wanted that guy to get reps, to see the pictures, all that stuff, just get some run. He was 7 for 12, 1 for 3 from 3, 3 for 4 from the line, 4 boards, 2 assists, 2 steals, 1 block, 3 turnovers, 4 fouls, 18 points plus 2. That's not bad. That's pretty good for a guy who hasn't played many meaningful minutes in quite a while. And Kaminga, you know, he showed you again what he can do. Yes, he makes some mistakes. Yes, his handle isn't where it needs to be for what ultimately his role in this offense uh, should be in the future. But he makes things happen. He puts pressure on the rim. And I think the Warriors have been missing some of that energy. So hopefully this is a way for him to get some minutes normally when the starters do play. And like I said in the last episode, I'm hoping, I'm assuming that Kerr can find minutes somewhere. He said in pressers since that Orlando game that he'll play anybody, you know? And I think Kaminga is a somebody that should 
get some time out there. He had a couple nice moves. He uh, blazed by uh, Zion twice. I haven't watched him play much this season, but uh, his defense was was just, I don't know, matador defense. He wasn't even pressing up on Kaminga, and then Kaminga would just go by him, and that's cool. That's great. I'm guessing something's wrong with Zion Williamson because that just didn't make a, a lick of sense, but that's the kind of stuff that Kaminga can do. And, of course, like he gets to the line. He had only four free throws, but it's that pressure on the rim and forcing other teams to react instead of just kind of, you know, oftentimes dancing outside. That's what the Warriors have been kind of doing lately because they haven't been really pushing too much, especially on the second unit. You know, this was a game that the Warriors were definitely in that they could have won. I don't want to say should have because the Pelicans played pretty much all their guys and I was wrong. Brandon Ingram is back and he looks pretty good out there. I thought Kaminga played him decently. You know, uh, Ingram is just a little bit more polished and he hit some tough shots. So, you know, it is what it is. Good defense, but better offense. Moody was his solid self, four for nine, one for three from three, five, five from the line, plus 10 on the night. 14 points, one assist, four rebounds. That's pretty good. Uh, you know, it's funny. I don't talk about Moses Moody that much because he's just so consistent. So it's like, I don't have a ton of complaints about the dude. And sometimes, you know, he doesn't do anything too spectacular. He's just solid. But it's always interesting for me because Trey Murphy the third, who is on the Pelicans and was drafted a few spots, I believe, after Moses Moody. He's a guy that I really was hoping that the Warriors might draft in Moody's slot at number 14 because he's 6'8". He's one of those dudes who was like 6'2". And even actually he had a couple growth spurts and he had guard skills and he could shoot and then he blew up to 6'8". So those are always nice dudes to draft, you know, because no matter what size they end up, those small man skills always seem to be a benefit when you blow up to six, eight or taller, right? Because, you know, throughout NBA history, or at least the last 30 years or so, it's like Scotty Pittman had that kind of growth spurt. Dennis Rodman had that David Robinson, uh, Anthony Davis. So falling into that category, I thought that Trey Murphy had a good kind of pedigree in that respect. And I'm always going to keep an eye on him because he in a way is similar to Moses Moody, but taller and maybe right now actually a better shooter. Uh, some of the gripes I've had with Moody are that, you know, he's a little bit slow afoot. He's become a little bit more craftier getting his shot off and getting to the basket, but he isn't the quickest dude beating guys off the dribble. And sometimes he can get beaten defensively. And his shot is maybe a little slow, and that's not a huge gripe, but sometimes when he catches the ball, he doesn't have that quick release trigger that, of course, guys like Steph and definitely Clay have. So, yeah, it is what it is. And I'm not going to knock Moody because he's constantly working on his game and developing it, but just some things that I noticed. But I'll always track Moody versus Trey Murphy, the third. James Wiseman, he got in there. And he played 17 minutes, only took one shot, three for four from the line, not bad. Six boards, two assists, five points. 
Now, you know, he's caught a lot of flack and, you know, he's had a rough road trip overall. But I mean, I still (laughs) believe in the kid and I will always believe in the kid. But, you know, if you have to take some of his minutes and give them to Kaminga, then so be it, right? It's telling that to close this game, Kerr went with Looney. And, you know, maybe that's kind of obvious because Looney is a starter on the championship team, but Looney doesn't close very often, right? And I actually felt that maybe that hurt the Warriors a little bit because Larry Nance, he got everything he wanted in the lane in the Warriors zone in the closing minutes. And I don't know, maybe Wiseman could have been a better deterrent than Looney because, you know, sometimes once Nance got in position, found like a seam, an open spot, it was tough for Looney to recover. Maybe Wiseman's size could have helped with that, prevented some easy shots because once Nance got the ball, it was like, okay, this guy's just going to dunk over somebody or drive. That's not necessarily what lost them the game, but it could have made a difference towards the end. One thing about Wiseman though, too, it's like, I don't know if people in the NBA are good at throwing entry passes anymore. There were a handful of times where it looked like James Wiseman had some low post position and they didn't give it to him. And I think part of that is because the nature of the NBA has gone away from post play so much that it's gone away from the lower levels like college, G League, high school even. And they're not, people aren't really that great (laughs) at throwing entry passes. So I don't know. I'm sure that probably frustrated Wiseman a little bit. You know, he only had one shot, but, you know, that's something for me, like to keep an eye on in general. Jordan Poole, he played 38 minutes, only five for 18, three for 10 from three, hit all seven free throws, nine assists though, two steals, but five turnovers, 20 points, only minus one on the night. I mean, we're seeing him have ups and downs. He had a couple really good games against Charlotte and Detroit. He was basically like the main bright spot in those games. And he can have those flashes. It's like, remember that uh, Detroit game where he drained like 12 points in a row? That was impressive to me because now you know. I mean, we've known he can get hot, but that is very Clay and Curry-esque. You know, not putting him up there to that level yet, of course. You know, (laughs) it'll take a long time. But just seeing that he has that ability to just get streaky hot But he hasn't been shooting the best this year, and you know, hopefully he's working that stuff out. I've talked before about how sometimes he gets a little dribble happy and he gets stuck, and that's a source of a lot of his turnovers. So that's part of his growth overall moving forward. And also, you know, all the carry calls and the travels. I mean, something that got called a lot was like, you know, someone catching the ball at the three-point line and then putting the ball on the deck, but moving their feet first, uh, which is a call that, you know, I mean, a lot of guys in the NBA do that, but when you're young, that's a call that the refs will will blow the whistle on that pretty, pretty dang often. And Kaminga got called for that. Poole got called for that. And I think even Zion Williamson got called for that. So it's, it's something where, you know, Poole's going to have to adapt if they start calling him for more carries. I mean, 
the bread and butter of Poole's game is his crafty shiftiness, right? And they didn't call that kind of thing last season when Poole kind of broke out a little bit. But uh, his ability to let go left, right, you know, fake people out, you know, that relies on his handle. <laughs> and if they start calling that more often, then, you know, he's going to have to adjust. But for me, it's like Poole having more consistency and Poole getting more solid on defense and not picking on him. Everybody has had defensive issues on this team all season long, especially this road trip. But, you know, you notice sometimes uh, Poole kind of being a little bit late on rotations or taking some risks here and there. So just that's part of it, right? He's just 23 years old. He's got this contract, but hopefully, and we've seen over the years, uh, that he is committed to improving. Hopefully he continues to do that because, you know, he couldn't, I mean, imagine him when he's like even 25, right? I mean, Brandon Ingram is 26 and people laud him now, but I think pool, the way he's been going, I have no doubts he can get there. So uh, just getting more consistent and, <laughs> you know, not just dribbling <laughs> uh, into traffic and then, you know, having that, wide pivot foot stance and looking for somebody to bail him out. I mean, I think that's one thing he needs to uh, figure out a little bit. I mean, sometimes when he can find somebody to pass it to, like under the basket, he hit to Michael Green and stuff. And throughout the season, he's hit guys like Wiseman. But sometimes when there's no bailout, it's like, okay, that's a turnover. One thing about Poole though, too, it's like in this game, I, I like watching him play against CJ McCollum because CJ McCollum is obviously like one of the comps for Jordan Poole in terms of style of play, that kind of herky jerky, get crazy shots off, can get super hot and all that jazz. And it's interesting because you see a lot of similarities out there, right? This craftiness and, you know, ways to get your shot off when you're not like the biggest or the quickest. So he's got a ways to go. Jordan Poole does, but I think he can get there. And I've said this before. It's like, it's funny because as Poole, developed and kind of grew for me for me uh and this is gonna sound weird but like in that play-in year where the warriors lost to the grizzlies and the lakers and the phoenix suns made the finals i remember seeing uh cameron Payne in the playoffs and thinking like oh you know that's a, a decent comp for what pool could be coming off the bench the following season and then pool obviously looked better than that and then it became like CJ McCollum. And then um, some people say like maybe Jamal Crawford, but you know, CJ McCollum is uh, CJ McCollum is like right there for me in terms of that. Uh, the next level would be Jamal Murray uh, or at least Jamal Murray before the ACL. Haven't seen him much since, but just that is probably like, in my opinion, Jordan Poole's ceiling, right? Uh, I think he's tracking to be like CJ, but it's early and uh, we'll see it all, all evolve. NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back. So tip off the season with DraftKings Sportsbook and official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings up to 100% with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt-in, and place a stepped-up same-game parlay today. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is where I go to bet on the NBA. 
Obviously, I ride or die with your Golden State Warriors. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Roman Anthony Lamb played a bunch. Uh, they both shot really dang well. So, you know, props to those guys, those two-way guys for actually taking advantage of the minutes. I didn't think that they were that good of shooters overall, but uh, Lamb was six for nine in 37 minutes, four for six from three, three boards, two assists, three steals, uh, plus five on the night, 16 points. And Ty Jerome played 32 minutes, seven for 12, two for six from three, two for two from the line, six boards, five assists, uh, minus seven, 18 points. I kind of like this Ty Jerome guy. My buddy Aaron in Toronto put me onto him and I was like, I have no idea who this guy is, but he's scrappy. He's like that scrappy little dude that other teams have like TJ McConnell types or even in this game, Alvarado. But the difference is that Ty Jerome's six, five. <laughs> and I kind of like that once Dante DiVincenzo comes back and gets healthy though, you know, Ty Jerome is like maybe your 12th guy, you know, 12th, 13th guy. Uh, yeah, I'll take that. That's not bad, you know, as a two-way. He plays hard. He's a lot craftier than I thought, and he has decent touch from random spots. He'll hit floaters, he'll hit like fadeaways, and he'll hit threes, you know, he'll hit a bunch of those. So that's not bad. You know, it's funny. It's like the Warriors, they were close. They were ahead after one, right? They were up by one, 27-26. Uh, and then they got behind and then it looked like it was going to be, you know, over, but they just kept pushing and pushing and they were there at the end. Honestly, like we got Patrick Baldwin Jr. minutes and Ryan Rollins minutes. And I like both those guys. Baldwin only played four minutes, missed his one three pointer, was minus 13. And Ryan Rollins, he played nine. He came back in the second half. He was two for four, uh, one for two from three, two for two from the line. Minus 20, though, and seven points. So, honestly, it's like the Warriors were up by one at the end of one. Rollins had closed out the first quarter, but then then Kerr put Baldwin in with Rollins, and instantly <laughs> the Belgians, they went on a 12-0 run to start the second quarter. And not piling it all on them because, you know, it's just a – it's almost like a, a throwaway game in some respects just to get the young guys some run and the vets some rest. But that's kind of where they, you know, just got run. Uh, I thought that, you know, when Kamega came on the court, he made things happen. He's an exciting player, explosive, and he gets the other team on their heels. You know, they have to cover him. They have to guard him. And I think this game showed – that he can contribute. He may not have the point forward handle. He may not have the ability to run a team like an Andre Godala or, you know, be Draymond Green's instant replacement at power forward. But, you know, he deserves minutes. He deserves to play. And at the expense of whom? That's above my pay grade. But like I said, I will take minutes from Wiseman. I'll take minutes from uh, Jermichael Green. I mean, Jermichael Green playing, to me, that's a little bit political because he's the vet who came uh, with maybe, I don't know if he had a promise of of playing time, but he came on a pretty pretty cheap deal. 
And I don't know if Kerr wants to stick him on the bench in favor of Kamingo, but me personally, I have nothing against him, Michael Green. I, I like what he brings, kind of like a, you know, brings his lunch pail and all that stuff. But Kamingo deserves to play, and that's that's where I'll leave it right then and there. Uh, the Warriors, they hopefully just go home, go back to the Bay. They have a pretty easy schedule next week. Easy meaning only two games. So they play Sacramento at home on Monday, the 7th, and then they play the Cavs, who are really good, looking really good, young and explosive. They get them, I believe, on Friday. So that should be really interesting. We, you know, I'm really curious, what Warriors team are we going to see in those two games? The Kings are a team that they should handle, and the Cavs are a team that not necessarily they should handle, but the way they've been, they've been playing, they should not. But who they really are, they should be able to take care of that game. But a long way to go with all that stuff. Hopefully, Kerr makes some adjustments. Like I said, he needs to change it up a little bit. This actually gave the Warriors, it felt like a, a different vibe, right? Because it had been like the same old story throughout the first four games of this road trip. So hopefully, Kerr has some thoughts and some ideas on what to do next, the coaching staff and all that jazz. And, um, you know, go from there, regroup, reassess, reset, flush this road trip, man. You know, that's it. You know, you could sit there and be like, oh, and five, that's terrible. Yeah, it sucks. But there's a long way to go. Come back to the Bay, work on some stuff, reset, reset mentally uh, and physically, get the emotion out of it and just move it along. That's all you got to do. And I think they can. All right. Well, that is another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Patrick E. Pino or at Oakland Warriors. Check out our YouTube channel where you can watch this episode, youtube.com slash Oakland Warriors. Check us out at oaklandwarriors.com and be sure to tell your fellow warrior fan friends to tune in and listen. The Oakland Warriors podcast is produced by National Film Society and is a part of the basketball podcast network and if you're so inclined please do leave us a five-star rating on spotify and apple podcasts and if you want to leave us a nice review saying good stuff about the show on apple podcasts that would be hugely hugely appreciated and it would be very very helpful thanks that's it music in this episode provided by paper sun special thanks to paul amardo for production support see you next time and go dubs we